A good day and welcome to episode 36 of the Ombra Gaming Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Manny, and as always, I'm here with Matt and Steve on a sunny Sunday morning. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. I, uh, I'm about to go to the Levitate Music Festival after this, so I'm very excited. I'm going to go see one of my favorite bands, Lake Street Dive Play. So really looking forward to my little Sunday. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm going to go to Whole Foods after this. That's funny because you and I will probably spend about the same amount of money today. Wow, that's <laughs> false. I go to a 365, which is the cheap version of Whole Foods. So I actually spent about the same amount of money I'd spend at a regular supermarket in Brooklyn. Also, you get 10% or 5% off because you're, if you're an Amazon Prime member. Mm, that's true. Uh, my Sunday is going pretty well. I am tired for it is fairly early in the morning. Yeah, it's 919 right now, everybody. Which is not what usually when we record. Usually we do this on Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. We had some scheduling conflicts. So here we are on Sunday. Yeah, I saw Hello Dolly on Thursday with Bernadette Peters. It was very hey. good. And Victor Garber. I'm going to see Hamilton in about a month. That's nice. pretty cool. Sell those tickets and buy tickets to Hello Dolly. Or you can sell those tickets and just buy a house. <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> so much I paid for them. So I hope our listeners enjoy this episode as much as you enjoyed Hello Dolly. Because this is the Ombra Gaming Podcast and we have a lot of exciting things to talk about. We're going to kick things off with a little segment we're calling Coffee Talk, which is essentially stemming from the fact that we didn't plan the first half segment. So we're just going to talk. We're going to enjoy our coffee on a Sunday morning, and we're going to talk about a variety of topics, and you're going to listen to it. Definitely ripped off from the Linda Richmond SNL skit. It's in homage to, which is different. It's true. And then the topic of today's podcast is games that we would recommend as introductions to video gaming. So if we had friends that were like, hey, I want to get into video games and I've never played a video game before, we've selected a handful of games from a variety of genres that we think would be good on-ramps for new gamers. So we'll talk about that and give our suggestions. And then we will have patch notes where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. And then we will have a community shout-out before closing out the show. But before we get to any of that, the house is fucking gross let's keep the house first up on housekeeping please follow us on social media we are at umbra underscore gaming on twitter and at umbra gaming on instagram so follow us there and you can have a great time by reading all of our tweets and checking out all of our awesome pictures we're also on twitch you can find us at twitch.tv slash umbra underscore gaming where we stream almost every single day of the week On a variety of platforms, we have a lot of fun. So come check us out. Come have fun with us on Twitch. And it sounds like Matt has an exciting announcement. What do you got for us, Matt? So tentatively scheduled for Monday, July 16th, uh, we will be starting a D&D campaign led by myself and Christine. And so if you want to tune in and watch us and some of our community members play Dungeons & Dragons, you should. Because it'll be fun. All original content. That'll be fun. I think there's going to be a lot of D&D newbies as well. So that should be a fun learning experience for all of us. So come check us out at Twitch. Join our D&D streams. It'll be a lot of fun. And if you want to come and hang out with our community, which I bet you do, you can join our Discord via the invite link on our Twitter bio. So if you want to come and hang out with us and talk about games all day and all night, come on down to our Discord and hang out with our wonderful, wonderful community. We would love to have you. 
And if you want to share your thoughts about an episode of the podcast, any of our articles that come out, or any other gaming-related topics, you can certainly do that. And you can do that by calling us at 347-509-5620. If you leave us a voicemail, we might play it on the podcast and give a nice little response. And actually, we do have a voicemail today that we will be getting to later in the episode. And last up on housekeeping... Very exciting things happening here in Washington, D.C. On July 20th, we will be partnering with Microsoft and the N3 Incubator here in Washington, D.C. for a full day of video gaming fun. So we'll be setting up around noon, and we're going to have around 15 Xboxes, a handful of PCs that Microsoft is so kindly showing up with. Uh, And we're going to be playing games like FIFA, Overwatch, Fortnite, and more So come hang out with us if you're in the D.C. area, July 20th. It's a Friday. We're going to kick things off at noon. We're going to have sort of a family-friendly segment for the first half of the day. And then around 5 or 6, we're going to switch to adult gaming, (laughs) 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 which pretty much means we're going to have alcohol. Uh, And we're going to have some PUBG competitions, Yeah, we're still going to play the same games for kids, just drunk. Yeah, we're still going to play Lego Universe, but I'm going to be blackout. I don't think that's a game. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know man there's like so many lego games and you chose a made-up one <laughs> yeah like the whole lego universe all of the games that's what i'm talking about <laughs> nice cover um and we'll also be doing a live recording of the ombre gaming podcast so i'm really excited for that uh so again if you're in the dc area and if you want to come and hang out with us i will put the rsvp info in the show notes for this episode we're also going to be live streaming most of it if not all of it so keep an eye out for that information as well it will be on twitch.tv slash umbra underscore gaming and last up on housekeeping i don't know if you knew this but you can find us at patreon.com slash umbra gaming where you can support us in a very real way so every dollar we get on patreon will go right back into the show to make it as good as it possibly can be and your support would mean the world to us. We already have a wonderful community of Patreon supporters that are helping us grow and create better content. So if you want to join that group of amazing patrons, head over to patreon.com slash gaming and help us just be the goddamn best because we would love it. So now that the house is nice and clean, let's get on with the show. It's time for Coffee Talk where we enjoy our coffee and ramble about various subjects for 60 seconds at a time. Matt, will you give us the first subject? Yes, welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm your resident New Yorker. I got my timer ready. So each person gets 30 seconds to talk about the topic. So I'll say the topic. Then I'll say, okay, Manny, you have 30 seconds. And Manny's going to talk about it. And then Stephen will go after. I'll give him 30 seconds too. And then once that time is up, we're done with that Coffee Talk segment. And we're moving on to the next topic. Sort of like on the sports shows when they have the topics going down, the line on the right. That's what we're doing. Okay, our first topic. Manny, you're going to go first. Anthem, is it going to be better or worse than Destiny 2? Discuss. Uh, yes, of course it is going to be better than Destiny 2. It doesn't take a lot to be better than Destiny 2. I think the best thing Destiny 2 has going for it is are its shooting mechanics. That being said, I think based on what we see on the gameplay demo from E3, Anthem has amazing mechanics. It looks very smooth. I'm very much looking forward to it, and I expect it will be better than Destiny 2. Done. Steven. Anthem is going to be better than Destiny 2 because it's much easier to be better than the worst game of the year. 
because that had all the hype and then it let us all down by releasing content as pay for content that could have been released as part of the base game and they still got you to pay for it and Matt, I'm looking at you because you paid for this shit. I haven't paid for this you shit. Sure did. I, I wised up. I got onto their act. And then they're going to be like, oh, we're going to remake the game this year. But they're not going to do it. Anthem's going to come out fire. That's your time. Please don't insult the host of the show. Thank you. Our resident Destiny 2 champion over here. <laughs> All right. Your next topic, Steven, you're going to go first. Are you ready? I'm ready. The topic is games as a service here to stay. Discuss. Yeah, they're definitely here to stay because there's a proven model of success. Like, you look at Ubisoft, how they all their games are now games of service, and people keep playing them because they want that free content. Like, Rockstar does it as well. Free content leads to more people playing. It's not going to go away. Well, I'll take this five seconds to thank our viewers for tuning in to Coffee Talk. All right, Manny, games as a service, here to stay? Go. Uh, yeah, of course they are. They're just easier from a production standpoint rather than developing entirely new games with entirely new maps and entirely new levels and all that. I mean, you look at Psyonix coming out recently saying that Rocket League 2 isn't going to be a thing. And for some reason, people are surprised. But of course, it's not because a game like Rocket League has a really long tail and will last you with free new content and modes forever. Yeah, Steve's made a good point about Ubisoft. They're doing the same thing. All right. And that's your time, sir. Your next topic, Manny, you're going to go first. Please pay attention this time. All right, do you like your coffee with milk and sugar or black? Discuss. Black, there is no other way. That's all I have to say on that matter. All right, and Steven? I don't drink coffee oh because my. I'm not an addicted fiend like you freaks. Look at you. You can't get it fast enough into your mouths as soon as you wake up. You're stuck in this never-ending cycle of caffeine, headaches, caffeine, headaches. I pity I you. I don't have headaches. I just like coffee. All right, your last topic for the day. First or third person shooters? Steven, you go first. Discuss. I like third person, but I also, it's it's weird. I like third person with the option to jump into first person. I think a lot of games do it, and those are the some of my favorite ones. Like Wildlands, I had a lot of fun because you can have the element of peeking around a corner, so you have the periphery, but then you also have the accuracy of first person. So I kind of like a mix of both. Emmanuel, first or third person shooters? Discuss. I'm going to go with third. Um, I think you can't have a game that includes scopes and not have it snap into first person. That being said, like, you know, time to aim is a, is a huge element of third person shooters. So keeping that time really low. Yeah. As long as, as long as the, the lag between going down scope isn't too, too big, then yeah, third person for sure. I think there's some games that are first person that get it right. I think Wolfenstein is a good example, but otherwise, yeah, I think third person. Well, this has been coffee talk with Matt. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. What a what a lovely New York host that was. So that was Coffee Talk, where we talk about various subjects for 60 seconds at a time, prompted by the fact that we did not create a first half segment. And that's what happens. I prefer first-person shooters. I just wanted to throw that out there. Interesting. And, and I think it's based on my skill, because I cannot aim in a third-person shooter. Like, it's yeah. really hard for me to aim. Yeah. Like where the camera's behind you, I find it really difficult, which is probably one of the reasons I hate Fortnite. Because <laughs> I, I think cannot. There's, aim there's just in that so game. many. There's like a lot of different elements that, like, like at the end of the day, I'll play either first or third person shooter as long as the mechanics are good, right? Like I look at Resident Evil Four, which basically like helped define the over the shoulder third person angle, 
right? Like that, that was like a a huge uh, inspiration for Gears of War, which is like known for that, right? The over the shoulder. But you look at a game like Resident Evil 4, great smooth shooting mechanics, except you can't run or move when you're aiming. So, you know, that's, that's an element that takes, that's like a point away, right? I really like it in Division 2. Oh, can we have like a, can we have like a three to five minute discussion on Division? Sure. I'd love to talk about it. Okay, quick, like, five-minute talk. Less than five-minute talk on the Division. Matt, what do you think about the Division? Is this going in the podcast? Yes. Should we set it up somehow? Or... Yeah, I just did. I was like, can we talk about the Division? Here we go. Impromptu. So I've been, pl- so I picked up the Division on uh, Steam. I think for, I think I got the, when I was on the Steam sale, for 17 bucks, and I got all the DLC, blah, 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 all the random cosmetics that I didn't even need, but whatever, I just got yeah. it. Because it was really cheap. Because Toot and Lonnie on our Discord had mentioned it to me. You know, I've seen it on Steam all the time. And I've always seen it. It had mixed reviews. I started playing it. And I really liked the mechanics. I got a little bored in the intro. I think the intro was, like, slightly too long, like the intro missions. Yeah. Um, but after that, you kind of just run around New York City. And the, the shooting mechanics are really good. I like the quests. I like that you can just run up to a quest, search for matchmaking, someone joins in, and then you go. Do you um, do that a lot? You do the matchmaking? The, like, story missions that are slightly above my level? Yeah. Yes, because the bosses, <laughs> you can't Super really... fucking hard. Yeah, you can't really kill a boss alone. Especially when there's, like, two or three snipers covering you while you're trying to kill a dude with a flamethrower. Those sniper shots, they take you down to, like, a quarter health with one shot. There's that sniper named Rogan. <laughs> And he was super good at shooting us. What level are you guys? Like 13, 12? I think I just got to 16. Yeah. Or I'm right at 16. I think I'm at 14 or 13. Yeah, so I'm feeling like most of the mixed reviews maybe come from endgame content since I'm not there yet. But I know like the survival mode got really good ratings. And I I have that because I bought that version. So yeah, I'm interested to see. What level uh, are you? I'm 10, I think, right now. Are you are you planning to do, like, Dark Zone PvP stuff? Oh, yeah, for sure. Tight. I'll probably get completely wrecked. Have you gone in the Dark Zone yet? Absolutely not. <laughs> We've gone <laughs> in there, and you die pretty quick. I actually really... I'm, I'm really excited to do the Dark Zone stuff towards the end because I think, like, the way it's set up is really cool that there's, like, NPCs have, like, a high-end loot. And then if you kill them, the only way you can keep the loot is if you make it to an extraction point, put it on a helicopter. Oh, yeah. interesting. So, like, a lot of players will avoid PvP or, you know, they might, like, wait in hiding for somebody to get to an extraction point and then ambush them at the last second so they can take their loot. Oh, that's stressful. But then when you kill another player in the dark zone, you go rogue and then you get, like, pinged on the map. So, oh. like, all other players can see that you went rogue and then they can go kill you for your loot that you just stole from somebody else. And if you kill a rogue, you don't go rogue yourself because, like, you're kind of seen as, like, a good guy almost, right? Mm. So, like, I love it because it's almost like it's almost like a, a battle royale. It's almost like H1Z1 where it's, like, I can either, like, go try to find some other loot from an NPC or I can, like, attack this guy and his crew if they're, you know, if I'm if I think I'm better than them kind of thing. So I'm I'm so excited to to get into that. That'll be a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, I popped in there when I was level like 
nine or ten and i died within my first encounter just because like everybody's super high powered yeah i also liked um like i'm pretty familiar with a lot of the locations so it's like really weird to like walk into abel's and it's actually just macy's <laughs> it's like or like you go to hudson yards and you're like oh yeah this is hudson yards it's very weird that's why i'm excited for two because it's in dc so i can be like let's go to u street I enjoy it overall. I think there are definitely some things that I would like to have improved upon, like the fact that you can't just crouch and walk around. That's I wish that's weird. Crouching, that's yeah, it's so silly. Yeah, it's really weird that they wouldn't have it. I do like that the encounters and the side missions are all things you can do solo. Like mm-hmm. I've never run into, as long as I'm like the same level or higher than what the side mission is, I've never run into an issue where I can't complete it on my own. Like you said, though, with main story missions, yeah, you need other people because the bosses are just absurd. And especially once you start getting into higher level missions, like we did one last night where it was like two different snipers who were like purple and like level 15. And then there was a giant flamethrower guy, like all this crazy stuff happening at once. So like you definitely need to do all the main missions with people. Um, So I haven't actually done the matchmaking because me and Manny have just been playing it. However, if I ever am just on by myself, I might give that a shot because yeah, like I can't. I don't even attempt story missions if I'm just solo. <laughs> yeah, they're tough. I actually really like doing that Amherst apartment one solo just because it did. It was so long and so like, because like the side missions are like short. They're like little bites, but they're like, I like getting into the longer stuff. Even if I die, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this tactic or this approach. But yeah, some of them are just super, super hard. But yeah, I don't know. I really like it. I, I've been enjoying it so far. I also like... Like I spent, I think five bucks on some on like a clothing pack, and I got to like dress up my dude in a fun little way. And like, I like that. A, there's a lot of cosmetic customization that you could do because of a game that has so many people playing it. Like, it's a shared world, so it's awesome that we can all look different and and unique in our own way. And I like that it it creates like investment in your player. Like, I kind of feel like it fits the narrative of like, this is me, this is my style. But like, when I get called into the division duty, then it then I'm a soldier. So like, I like that. Um, aspect of it i also love the watch oh yeah the watch is kind of cool, is cool. Like, you bloop, could bloop, bloop. there's actually um if you got like whatever limited edition version of the game it came with a division watch um, oh really yeah and it looked That's pretty cool, cool although i think it's just a really basic digital watch i mean it kind of looks like an apple watch um cool that's Anyways, been division chat that's been the division go play it because it's not bad uh, all right, let's move on to the topic of the pod, which is the beginner's guide to gaming. So we've all picked a handful of genres that we think are representative of the industry as a whole. And we've picked a couple games from each genre that we think could be a good intro for somebody who's new to gaming. So whether it's because of the mechanics or because of the story or what have you, we've sort of ID'd these as good on-ramps to video gaming. So why don't we start with Steve? What genre are you going to start with? I'm going to go with a genre that is kind of notorious with people's first experiences with gaming and platformers. And the one I'm picking, you're going to think like that makes no sense. Why would you recommend this to somebody who just picked up gaming? Like they would lose their mind if this was their first experience with games. But I'm going with Celeste and I have a few reasons why. Yes, the game is super hard, but it's a difficulty that gives you actual satisfaction once you pass through like the different checkpoints and once you complete an entire level there were times where you know i would die at one particular part like a hundred times no lie like just that one little one little jump from one ledge to another die a hundred times in that one spot you know i'd spend a ton of time on one little spot keep dying a hundred times but then once i hit it because i'd be looking at like oh shit 
I know exactly what I have to do. If I hit the double jump at this exact moment, it'll be perfect. Yeah. And so once you get that moment, you feel so satisfied. And once you've reach the top of the mountain at the end of the game you actually feel this great sense of relief and relaxation i guess my question would be around the difficulty like someone getting into gaming and you there's an assist really... mode so if you if you really just wanted to experience the platforming fun and the the great story because that's one of the beautiful parts about that game is the story perfectly coincides with the difficulty so that's why i feel like assist mode yeah if you just need to get through it you really can't get through that one level Go ahead, throw it on assist mode. But I, yeah. I think. Wait, can you? If, what What does assist mode actually change in the just game? Lowers the, it lowers the difficulty. Oh, like okay. it, there's like less challenges, makes it easier to get through. Got it. If you actually play it on just the normal difficulty, Madeline's journey, it's perfectly tied in with the difficulty of the game because she's going through some very emotional things and like a lot of thematic, like the the whole theme of it is basically her journey to self acceptance. And so you're dealing with a, a ton of back and forth with the different enemies you encounter, which uh, I don't want to go too much into it, but with the different enemies you encounter, that difficulty kind of lets you as the player connect with her and be like, man, I feel what she's feeling right now. So it kind of leads to that extra satisfaction at the end. Yes, it's difficult, but it really is one of those, especially for a modern day platformer, I feel like it's one that you need to experience. It's also very pretty too. Which oh, could God, yeah. feel like hook someone that's new to gaming. For also, sure. like I feel like the mechanics of it aren't too too complicated. Like yeah, you it's compare like two it buttons. to, right? So you compare it to a game like, for example, The Messenger, which has like a thousand more mechanics. I mean, it's not out yet, but like there's different kinds of jumps and different kinds of attacks and and you know triggering different kinds of time modes, right? So I feel like Celeste is just like easy to get your mind around, easy to understand difficult in terms of its execution but again if you use assist mode that takes care of that for the most part so so that's my first genre i'll get over to my next two as we progress but matt what do we have for your first genre well i wanted to start with an rpg i could have went with skyrim or again witcher 3 but i was thinking about difficulty level and skyrim there's a lot going on there's talent trees there's a huge inventory there's tons of quests i feel like you could get really overwhelmed being new to gaming and jumping into Skyrim. And then Witcher 3, the combat can be pretty challenging at times if you and there's a lot, there's a lot of buttons, there's spells. So I thought maybe that might be a little too complicated to start out with. And so I decided to settle on Breath of the Wild because I think it's the most entry level friendly. I think that the Switch is also one of the most entry-level friendly consoles. So that also had a little bit to, to do with it, even though you can get Skyrim on it. Well, whatever, ignore that. I think Breath of the Wild has a lovely art style. The person coming in that's new might uh, already be familiar with who Link is, who Zelda is. They've probably heard about these characters before. Combat isn't really too challenging or difficult. And it's open world that you are just exploring. Um, and you're not overwhelmed with quests either at the same time. So I feel like there's, there's a direction enough that you know what to do and where to go. You know, you have to get rid of the divine beasts. And then you got to go to the middle of the map. But you can still explore and find things. The combat isn't too difficult. Uh, it's not punishing in terms of when you die or anything like that. And it's also like fun and happy-go-lucky and there's a lot of like cute things in there. So I feel like a gamer of any skill level or someone that's new could just 
pop into it and really have a good time with it, which like for me, for someone that's new to gaming, the way to hook them on gaming is like having them have a good time and seeing like, oh, this is like a lot of fun. Like I should try more games after this. And so, yeah, so that's why I would go with Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I also feel like for a game that's so vast, like there's so much that you can do, it like kind of drip feeds mechanics and different elements of gameplay really well. Um, yeah. like I think I think Breath of the Wild is one of the better tutorial sort of missions out there, or it has one of the better tutorial missions out there because like coming down from the Great Plateau, like that's basically when the game starts. Everything on the Great Plateau is just like, figuring shit out and i think it does a really good job at like giving you an arena giving you the great plateau being like this is a really big space but you can still figure it out with these mechanics and then once you get off it then that's like when everything else is introduced so i think again just like a perfect way to get used to how to play and then even if you get a little lost or something like if you are just doing the shrines and like that's what you like i feel like there's one thing for everyone in that game so like if you really like puzzles you can be like oh i just want to do the shrines and like you just mark the shrines on your map and go and you do puzzles and you figure the puzzles out or if you like i really like to explore you can go and and just explore and run around the map or if you're like really quest motivated you can go and tick off quests so i feel like there's something for everyone too so yeah, that would be my role-playing game. Uh, what about Manny? So for my first genre, not necessarily a pure genre, but more of a subset of mostly RPGs, but open-world games. I think open-world games are one of the best things you can get into as a gamer. I think they're a lot of fun, and I also think that they're a great, they're a great introduction to gaming because I think, especially people who are like totally new to gaming, don't realize that open-world games exist and that open-world games are a thing. I feel like people with more of a tr- like doing this in air quotes, like traditional scope of what games are, are like levels and platforms and shit like that. So I think open world games are like, no, 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 this is what games have to offer. Check this shit out. Um, so in that regard, I would suggest Wildlands. There is a shitload to do in Wildlands and there's a lot going on at any given moment and there's a lot of mechanics. I do realize that. But at the same time, the map is so big and there are so many options that you can do whatever you want to do. Right. So like you don't necessarily have to go after the main missions. I've had the game for over a year now and I'm not done with the campaign because I've done so much random shit. And so I think it just does a really good job at being like, hey, do you just want to like hang out in this corner of the map and like find all the documents and, and like get all the you know gear that you can for your gun? Cool. Like do that. Don't don't worry about all like the more intense, more developed mechanics until you want to get used to that stuff. Um, I think any part of the map is like a perfect microcosm of the game as a whole so if you're just in like the southeast corner of the map you'll have all the same kinds of enemies you'll have all the same kinds of vehicles you'll have all the same kinds of terrain so you can get used to the entire game just by sticking in one place and so i think it's just like a good on-ramp again to that kind of to that kind of game i also think i mean it's a pretty decent introduction to pvp if you want to go that route as well it's definitely less complicated and less intense if you will than rainbow six. Oh yeah i would not recommend rainbow yeah. six but yeah i think like its openness and its ability to give you different options to approach pvp is really welcoming you know we i've been playing a little bit with brian here and there and he's like kind of new to it uh and he was doing really well just because like it's easy to do well if you have decent reflexes and if you kind of understand the map well enough so yeah, I think it's a good introduction to open world gameplay. I think it 
feeds you mechanics and elements at a decent pace and i think it lets you learn which is which is really important to uh to really big games so yeah that's what i would recommend let's go back to steve what's your second game i'm going action adventure and doing the tomb raider reboot just that whole series you should play it because if you're trying to get into games and you want like a fun filled adventure with great cinematic scenes an iconic character fun complex but satisfying gameplay look no further yeah because it adds a few open world elements without ever going fully open world you have some crafting elements where not to the extent of like what horizon zero dawn's crafting was but you do have the crafting option available i loved the stealth mechanics of it as well the use of the bow absolutely fantastic i use the bow way more than i ever used any actual gun because i would try to go as far as i could into a mission staying stealth that's usually how i approach gameplay anyway but you have lara croft like into the same vein as matt talking about someone getting into games and recognizing zelda and link people are going to recognize lara croft not only is she a major video game icon but she's had movies so that's a, a name that is easily recognizable to people outside of the gaming community so somebody who is picking up a controller for the first time you give them tomb raider like oh yeah i've probably heard of her it's a nice little on-ramp into games because it's recognizable to this person and it's going to give them a fun-filled adventure that they're never going to forget i think in general understanding like where a game came from is really important especially for new players it's fun to have things like mario and it's fun to have things like zelda in the current gaming climate because then you can be like hey dad remember that game that came out when you were my age it's still a thing you want to play mario kart kind of thing uh and so i think tomb raider is another excellent example of that especially the presence of a strong female protagonist i think that's like a refreshing new thing that is becoming more and more prominent in games so putting that in front of new gamers is important and making sure that people are aware that while slow to change the industry is changing so yeah i think that's a pretty good pretty good example of how to get somebody or a game that can get somebody into action adventures all right my second one so i was thinking about like oh i'm a new gamer i was trying to get in the head of a new gamer and be like oh what are they what are they familiar with and oh maybe they've heard of the battle royale craze because it's so popular so many people are like tuning into that so for this genre, I picked Battle Royale, and I was like, well, what Battle Royale game would I recommend to someone that's new to gaming who wants to get into it? So I would actually go with Realm Royale, which is on Steam, early access, free-to-play, and the free-to-play being a plus for someone that's new who maybe just wants to try something out. It has like a fun art style similar to Fortnite or like World of Warcraft. I think the mechanics are pretty good for what it is right now. And you have some like spells that make it a little more interesting than just a shooter. There's no build mechanic either, so that's taken out of there. And there's a and when you get shot and die, you turn into a chicken and you can run away, which I think is fun. <laughs> so you can like self-res, which yeah, is yeah. Uh, fun. So I think it's like an entry-level battle royale game. I actually think that's what I would go with. That's what I would recommend someone. Um, at least to start out, because this is for like a new gamer, right? But if you haven't tried out Realm Royale, I just like recommend even just trying it out. Yeah, so that's what I would recommend for Battle Royale. Nice. Manny, what's your next genre? So my next genre is an interesting one. It's not so much a genre as much as it is a platform. Uh, I'm going with VR games. As someone who enjoys VR games a lot, 
I think there is this threshold of like where VR games are the best. And below the threshold is like dinky in and out experiences like shoot the bow and hit the apple. Wow, VR is crazy, everyone. And then there's <laughs> there's like Doom VFR and Skyrim VR that I think I think right now I don't know if we're in a place where like those kinds of experiences are like baseline or like viable for everybody. Because like you, for example, Matt, if you hopped into Skyrim VR, you would throw up. Um, I would. I would definitely get sick. <laughs> right. And so, I, again, and I've said it a thousand times, I think we're in like the adolescent stage of VR. And I think in the next like five, six, seven years, we're going to hit a really interesting like jumping off point for gaming. And we're going to be like, oh, fuck, this is how VR can really be used in entertainment. But I do think there are a handful of games that are in the middle of that threshold right now. And so the game that I would recommend for people who want to experience VR gaming for the first time is super hot. It's a challenging one for sure because it forces you to think about new mechanics you wouldn't necessarily think about, like time moving only when you're moving. But I think it's like the perfect game, and this is like the cliche statement for VR gaming, but it's the perfect game when you have somebody coming over your house and they've never played a VR game and you get to put the headset on them and be like, check this shit out. I think it's the, in terms of like length, like no one level is too long. Like none of them last more than three or four minutes. Um, I think it does a really good job at making you feel like an absolute badass. Like you just feel like a superhero when you're playing that fucking game. And it's very simple in terms of its like scope. It's like kill the bright red characters that are coming and trying to kill you um, and survive the waves. Right. Uh, And then it has like endless mode, which is just like level after level after level. So yeah, I think it's just like this, perfect shining star of like a really good applicability to vr and because like because all of the people all the structures all the objects they're all in that sort of cell shaded polygonal design unlike resident evil 7 which everyone's like pants shittingly excited about it like there's some assets in that game that look fucking awful and so yeah i mean like i've i've gone on record as saying super hot got totally overlooked i think more people need to play super hot i think that studio needs to get way more money so they can create more games like super hot and i think resident evil 7 should die in the pantheon of underwhelming games everybody go play super hot on vr it's great i like what you said about it makes you feel like a hero which like for any new gamer who who doesn't want that feeling yeah that's what that's what you want also honorable mention for vr games beat saber is amazing that game is just stupid fun everyone should play that too all right back to steve what is your last game to close it out i'm going open world like you did earlier but i'm going with wildlands criminally great that's a great suggestion. underrated game not wildlands mad max i think mad max is a great on-ramp to the open world genre because the rank up system for max and the car are very easy to understand and they're fun. It allows a great sense of customization for the player because they are able to make the car exactly how they want. Like I wanted mine to be a tank where by the end of it, I was basically driving through enemy vehicles. Like they were exploding around me. It was fantastic, but you can go the complete opposite and just make an absolute speed demon with perfect traction control. And you're whipping around corners and zipping through the enemies. So it gives you the option to switch up, how you're feeling that day, you know? Um, because I'm when you actually do the... Ra- zippy. I'm feeling zippy. I'm feeling juggernaut, whatever. You can do both. 
uh, because they do have races in the game. So you kind of have to change your car depending on how the race is structured because all you really have to do is be the last person surviving in these races. So if you build it up as a tank, you can drive through everybody and you can kill everybody in the first lap and then you win. Or you can just make an absolute speed demon and blow everybody out of the water. But then there are some races where you have to kind of mix a mix of, make a mix of both because you need firepower, but you also need speed. So I like how it adds a little bit of strategy. The story's great because there's like every other open world map, there's like a couple different segments. And then there's a bunch of things that you have to do to pass through those segments. Like you can knock out towers. You can basically take out convoys and raid their supplies and things like that. So it was a lot of fun, a lot of things to keep you occupied. Like you can spend a ton of time in one particular segment of the map to try to under, uh, you know, try to 100% complete it. There, it's relatively easy platinum. I didn't do it because I got kind of bored with the races, so mm. I stopped doing the races, and you need to do those to platinum it. But it's super easy to get into because the combat's simple. It's just very similar to Batman Arkham Asylum, you know, square triangle type of combat. Um, you don't really use weapons that often, so you don't have to worry about being good at like first person or third person shooters. Yeah. And most of the time, the only most of the time, you use the shotgun as a way to finish off an enemy in melee combat. So very easy to get into, and it's just a beautiful game too. Absolutely stunning visuals. I would agree with everything you said except for combat. I feel like that might be a difficult, like the directional blocking. I think that might be a difficult thing for new gamers to grasp. Where like you there's, have there's to... like no blocking. It's just what do you mean? There's no blocking. It's the it's same just thing like as punch and counter. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like if somebody's coming behind you, like understanding like that you have to time all your like counters and like you know like when he grabs them, he does like the Arkham thing where he like I guess that's the counter, right? Where he kind of grabs them and punches them back. Like I feel like that might be difficult to grasp for a new gamer, especially with like twins like twin sticks. A lot of people don't totally get that one controls the person and one controls the camera. Like, I, I mean, yeah, for me, I, like, I that's see, something that... I see that combat as very simplistic because it well, gives yeah. you such an... it's It gives you such an advantage when it shows you they're coming in for an attack because not only are they coming at you, but something will flash up above their head and you can see them coming from a mile away. So, like, it gives you opportunity to counter. Like, obviously, if you ramp up the difficulty, it'll be harder, but you can also lower the difficulty. So, if you're having a tough time with the combat, lower the difficulty and you'll you'll cruise through it. Yeah, I do... I. I just remember dying a handful of times because my defense wasn't as good as my offense. And so I just think like controlling wise and understanding like directions, like, I, I don't know. I feel like that could, for somebody who's new, new to gaming, we have 20 plus years of understanding video games in our heads, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, talk about open world. That game has a ton of open space that you can explore. So for my last genre, I just picked this isn't even like a genre of games, but I picked. I like, picked games called Destiny. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Destiny Two. No, I picked. I picked like a new player is gonna want to play like a co-op game with friends. Yeah. So what should they play? And I had two. So I had an for an online game I picked Ultimate Chicken Horse, and for a local game I picked Overcooked. So um, I don't know what the fuck Ultimate Chicken Horse is. So if you could explain that to us. Yes, I will. So Ultimate <laughs> like Chicken what? Horse is this. I mean, it's like a small developer made this game where it's you and three other people and you're loaded into a map and there's like a starting point and the point that you have to get to the flag, sort of like in Mario, Mario, whatever, (laughs) except the space in between those two points is basically completely blank. So a little bag Mm. pops up and everyone picks an item inside the bag. Uh, and then you all place the items in the map. 
uh, and some are dangerous, uh-huh. some are just pieces of wood. And so you're trying to balance, like, making it really hard for other people to get to the flag, but making sure that you can and get there. And does everybody go at the same time to the flag? Everyone goes at the same time. It's Why fucking we hilarious. It it's awesome. Well, I've played with uh, Lonnie and Toot and Zom. It was so much fun. We were laughing. And, yeah, so there's, like, a lot of traps that you can pick and, like, different things that make it really hard yeah. to get over there. That sounds like a So blast. it's a lot of fun. It's so much fun. It's yeah, and then when you die, there's like ragdoll physics, so your like body just like goes wherever. It's very funny. Yeah, so I would recommend that because it's just so much fun and really easy to understand, and you can just keep going and going and going. Uh, and then for local multiplayer, I would recommend Overcooked. It is uh, more obviously more cooperative because you're working with uh, your friend to like get food out uh and all the levels are different challenges some take place on like a piece of ice other there's like rats stealing the food and the timing is just right that it's like really stressful and you're like oh my god where are my fucking uh, tomatoes (laughs) yeah where the tomatoes all the orders are at the top it's just also a blast it's like a lot of fun and so if someone was like, well, I want to play a game with friends, those I would absolutely recommend those two just because they're they're quick, they're simple, uh, and they're just an absolute blast. All right, Manny, what's your last genre? Uh, my last genre is shooters. Uh, so obviously a big part of the video game landscape are games in which you can shoot bullets at other people. I think a really good shooter to get into as a new gamer, would be Wolfenstein 2. Uh, I think it's one of the smoothest, one of the most polished shooters I've ever played. It is in first person, which is, which can be a little intense, but I think the mechanics and the fluidity of all the movement and all the shooting make up for it in a really, really awesome way for people who might not be into first person shooters. Uh, I do think that like the gore and the intense violence is a little much but i think it can also be like really satisfying i think for somebody who's new to gaming they can put it on the lowest difficulty and they can just shred nazis and have a really fun time with it i think the ability to dual wield is also really cool and very simple in that game and you can also like combine two different kinds of weapons you can have a machine gun on one hand and a shotgun on the other or whatever uh you can have a flamethrower on one hand and a machine that shoots lasers in the other one Uh, I also think that there's enough variety between the kinds of enemies that approach you and the kinds of tools that you have at your disposal to get rid of them that it keeps it exciting. Also, the story is just amazing. It's really impactful. The acting is phenomenal. Uh, There's, you know, fun levels where you get to mix it up and ride a giant mechanical dog that breathes fire, which is cool. Uh, And then, of course, the boss fights where there's massive, like, building-sized mechs chasing you and trying to kill you. But I also think it does a really good job at highlighting... They're all essentially gimmick fights, right? It's like the gimmick is shoot this shield and then that'll expose the core and shoot the core, right? So it does a good job at like showing you what gimmick you have to follow in order to be successful. It's just a fucking great game. It's so good. Everybody should play it. So I think, yeah, compared to other games where there's more mechanics, there's more strategy. I don't know. I I don't want to say Wolfenstein's absent of strategy, but I think that the strategy is a lot more straightforward than, than other shooters. So that's what I would encourage. So yeah, that was a beginner's guide to gaming. If you are new to gaming, I don't know how you found this podcast or why you're listening, but hey, you should play some of the games we recommended because I think they'll teach you a thing or two about why games are just so goddamn cool. 
So let's keep it going. I know we are pressed a little bit for time because one of us has to go dance in a field. That's right. I do have to dance in a field. Let's keep the show going. It's time for the segment where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Patch Notes. So this is Patch Notes 7.8.18. Steve, why don't you kick it off? All right. So my article comes from Kotaku, written by Nathan Grayson. And this sparked uh, from a little Twitter beef where a couple of game developers were fired. You may have heard of this over the weekend. So the title of the article, Guild Wars 2 Writers Fired for Calling Out Fan on Twitter. Reading some of the article now. After a Twitter spat erupted into a mob of fans going after a narrative designer for Guild Wars 2 studio ArenaNet, the developer said it has fired the two employees, Jessica Price and Peter Fries. On July 3rd, Price, a writer on Guild Wars 2, published a Twitter thread on the challenges of creating a personality from an MMO player character and how ArenaNet's narrative team approaches things internally. She explained that if ArenaNet gave the player character too much personality, it might clash with players' understanding of who their character is. In response, a fan and YouTuber going by Doror spoke up, saying that while he appreciated the insightful thread, in quotes, he disagreed with her assessment of the situation. He said he felt like the problem could be addressed with more dialogue options that let players choose how to express themselves. Price felt like the YouTuber overstepped his bounds. Today, in being a female game developer, allow me, a person who does not work with you, explain to you how to do your job, she tweeted, adding that she'd been working in narrative for a decade and it didn't need the concept of branching dialogue explained to her. It was, Price told Kotaku in an email, a straw that broke the camel's back moment. By the time that guy came along, I was so tired of having random people explain my job to me in company spaces where I had to just smile and nod that it was like, no, no, not here, not my space, she said. So basically, she was getting sick of people just chiming in, well, actually, you should do this. And so she tweeted out and got fired for it. And the real problem comes from, this is later on in the article, where this kind of sparked like some disgusting people on, on Reddit because they basically got fired because people on Reddit started making a big stink about it. Um, so this was a Reddit post that's now been deleted from subreddit member five nights at under 413. We can probably fire anyone on the GW dev team, uh, GW two dev team. As long as we make a big enough stink, nobody at arena net is safe from the hand of Reddit. The moment a dev steps out of line or tries to talk back to a player, guess what? They'll know we got their hands on their throat. and We can squeeze anytime we like. So first of all, the one good thing about Twitter, because there's a lot of shitty things about Twitter, but the one good thing about Twitter sure is. is it allows us the opportunity to connect with people in industries that fascinate us. Like, I've had opportunities to connect with, you know, the people from, like, What's Good Games or, you know, tweeting at, like, Brian Altano and things like that. And they, you know, they respond. And, like, I wouldn't have that chance anywhere else. And that's when Twitter's at its best. And yeah. when it's at its worst is when people think they can use it to try to get someone fired because they don't like that they stood up for themselves. It's absolutely absurd. And, of course, you can make the argument, well, maybe she shouldn't have responded to that one person. Maybe she shouldn't have. But at the same time, she's not representing ArenaNet when she's talking on her own personal Twitter like, yeah, I guess ArenaNet can, you're a company, you can fire people for whatever grounds you say, I guess. But it's a bad precedent, for sure, because now it's going to basically make devs not want to engage with people on Twitter. 
So you're going to lose that yeah. opportunity to have that insight, have any opportunity for an insightful conversation with someone because you're going to have people afraid that they'll lose their job because they say one thing that somebody on Reddit doesn't like. I do think, I, I think at the end of the day, it's like, it's unfortunate that particularly women have to put up with this kinds of shit on social media platforms. I do think like getting into the weeds, so to speak, is a waste of breath. But I also understand that, like, if I had somebody badgering me, telling me how to do my own job, tweet after fucking tweet, week after week, I would probably feel compelled to say something at a certain point. Right. She said it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Exactly. So it's not like this was a one in- instance thing. This right. Was like... She didn't just, like, flip her shit on a, on a Twitter guy randomly. And so I think, and I mean, like, this is coming from a very limited, like, viewpoint, but I don't think she should have gotten fired for that kind of no, thing. Definitely just not. because, not. like... It's a massive mistake. She got fired, and another person who defended her on Twitter also got right. fired. Yep. So two people got fired. That's insane. That is insane. They could have, like, suspended them for a week or some shit like that, but yeah. they decided to or fire them. That's to protect absurd. The- just take steps to protect your employees and like have their back. I think the silver lining of all of this is like, cool. Now they know that they don't work for a company that doesn't appreciate them. Yeah. One of, one of the things she said uh, was one of her regrets is that she helped get so many other women on board on that team. She was like, now I regret telling them that this was a place that they could feel safe because it's kind of not. Yeah. I don't know. It's fucked, man. Who wants to go next? Matt, would you like to go next on patch notes? Yes. So, I'm going to talk about an article that was released by Steve Watts on GameSpot titled, Open World Star Wars Game May Still Use Uncharted Creators Characters. So a little bit of context. So EA had bought Visceral Games, makers of Dead Space, and then shut them down. (laughs) But Visceral Games was working on an open world Star Wars narrative game. And when they shut the studio down you know the future of the game was uncertain uh, the visceral employees weren't sure what would happen to it but it seems that ea uh, is moving forward with the game in their ea motive branch which is in vancouver and the general manager of ea motive jade raymond which is a very cool name is quoted as saying, we have three terabytes of Star Wars artwork, which is crazy, and there's a lot of really good work there. When we announced we were moving the game, the idea was pivoting more into player agency, but still keeping a lot of the stuff that was great about it. There's a lot of cool stuff like tons of assets, really cool characters that had been created. So there's the goal of making sure we use all that, um, which I think is very cool. I think the last good open world star wars game was star wars galaxies which was an mmo on the pc and it was you could do anything which was the coolest thing about it if you wanted to just be a trader and like level up your lightsaber crafting skills like you could just do that and spend all your time doing that there were like player made cities on the planets it was just all you could be a bounty hunter. You could go be a jet. Like there was just so much you can do. There was so much customization. It was like overwhelming at how much customization there was. But I really hope that they're able to sort of channel some of that. They're, they have, like Raymond said in the quote, they have a ton of material from Visceral that's just there that they can use. So yeah, just a small update on that game. So that's mine. Manny, over to you. So my patch notes is about a little game called Dead Island 2. So if you haven't heard of Dead Island 2, it's probably because you didn't really notice that Dead Island 1 came out in 2011, 
Uh, it was an okay game. I think it got like sevens and sixes from most um, outlets in terms of their ratings. Um, yeah, uh, so Dead Island Game came from developer Techland, but the publishers were uh, Deep Silver and Techland. So Deep Silver actually confirmed that Dead Island 2 is still coming, apparently. So this is coming from a PC Gamer article by Sean Prescott, and I'm going to read a little bit of it here. Uh, when Dead Island 2 was first announced in 2014, Spec Ops The Line studio Jaeger was at the helm. Then, in 2015, publisher Deep Silver confirmed that it had dropped Jaeger as a developer before announcing in 2016 that Sumo Digital will take place, uh, will, will take development reins. But news of the sequel has been scant ever since. The original Dead Island creators, Techland, went on to release a superior open world zombie adventure in Dying Light. Deep Silver confirmed that Dead Island 2 was still in development as of May last year. But whether it would resemble the Los Angeles-themed game originally envisioned by Jaeger or something else entirely was anyone's guess. And, and then the article goes on to say, In 2018, it's probably fair to say that most have written off the chance of ever seeing Dead Island 2. But when a mobile spinoff game was released earlier this week in the form of Dead Island Survivors, many took to Twitter to query about the sequel status. And it turns out Dead Island 2 is still in development, according to the official Dead Island Twitter account. If you cast your eyes over its recent post history, you'll see several reassurances to fans that the game is still in development. An example reads, What's going on is that it's still in development, and we won't be showing more until we're ready. Appreciate the wait is painful, but Dead Island 2 is still coming. Meanwhile, the account confirmed that there is no official release date. So, I don't know, kind of interesting. I think the fact that it was announced so long ago decreases the chances of this game coming out, but I think it's going to be at least another year or two I don't know. It should be interesting. I think especially now in mid to late 2018, I feel like the zombie genre, it's a little bit saturated. Yeah. So Dead Island boasted a lot about itself. And I remember it had one of the coolest trailers yeah, before the game actually came that. out. The whole yeah. thing was played in reverse. It was very good. It was so cool. It was the coolest fucking thing. But then it wasn't no, as the game was not that. people wanted it to be. <laughs> I think it was a little bit underwhelming. Yeah. So I don't know. It should be interesting. Keep an eye out for it. So that was patch notes 7. Point whatever day it is, point 0.18, where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we 7. spoke. 7.8.18? It's July 8th. <laughs> yep. That's the one. So before we close it out, we're going to do a community shout-out where we'd like to highlight a member of our community who's doing rat shit and being awesome. This week's community shout-out goes to our good friend JJ. She's great. A.K.A. the Meme Queen. A.K.A. the Meme Queen herself. She's got loads of great memes that she posts every single day. She also just bought Overwatch on PS4. So uh, hopefully I'll be teaming up with her soon. JJ, you're great. Keep the memes coming and keep Magnum in line. God damn it. Yeah, keep them in line. Keep them in line. I think that you guys should just have a loving relationship where you both are heard equally and compromise is king. And keep them in line. Anyways, thanks for hanging out with us, JJ. You're the best, and we appreciate you. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed episode 36 as much as we enjoyed making it for you. If you did enjoy it, you can let us know. What you should do is head over to whatever platform you listen to this podcast on and give us a rating. Throw us a couple stars. Let us know what you think. And if you feel so compelled, head over to patreon.com slash gaming where you can really, really support us and help us grow and become the very best gaming podcast we can possibly be. We do have a voicemail, but we are a little bit 
pressed for time. So we're going to save the voicemail for the next episode. But I promise we will get to it, Reese. Don't you worry. So with that, folks, as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we really appreciate you. And we'll talk to you all very soon. Price felt like Dior, Dior, Jesus, this fucking name. Like, just get a normal YouTube name, man. Price felt like Dior stepped. This name is tripping me out so poorly.